Shalom, shalom. Greetings, everybody, in the name of the Lord. Welcome to No Holds Barred. I am your host, Alonzo Mendoza. I am so glad that you are able to tune in today and connect to this podcast. Uh, I've been inspired by a brother, Brother Benny, if you're listening. God bless you. Thank you, my brother. I've been inspired by this man of God to uh, to go ahead and I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And I never re- really got around to it. I didn't really research on how to do one and whatnot. And then uh, Brother Ben uh, invited me to listen to his podcast and uh, really great insight on his channel, on his podcast. I, I'm sorry. I'll look him up, the church boy in the Apple iPod, I, uh, <laughs> podcast application. <clears throat> but it's he's got very, very interesting information, awesome testimonies. Um, I love listening to his show. Uh, it's great. It's great. So go check him out. Uh, the church boy. Anyhow, um, I am so glad you're here on the program today. And I would love to discuss. Well, before I get ahead of myself, I would like to warn the listeners. Okay. Uh, n- I'm not by any means considering myself a teacher. That's not what I am. I consider myself a student. So this podcast is mainly focusing on being a student and learning and asking questions. I love to observe things. I love to to examine uh, myself, to analyze what what I what I've learned. Um, And that's what we're bringing to this podcast Uh, information, questions. And and I think you'll find it interesting because I have. It's taken me out of my comfort zone. Um, I was set in my religious ways for the longest, and the move, or the 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 move. Well, yeah, I guess we call it the move that that God placed in my life and brought me into Tijuana, Mexico, has changed me, has changed my wife, my children for the better. <clears throat> We've learned many, many things. I've been pushed by the Lord into. Uh, studying in a different way. Uh, one day the Lord sent a man of God by the name of uh, Jeremiah Rodeman, awesome man of God. And um, we were talking uh, and let me paint a picture for you because I, because we'd have no video. I'm, I'm going to have to paint a picture with audio. Uh, just for a moment, close your eyes. There's a wall in front of you, big white wall. And right in the center of it, you have a Bible. The Bible as you know it. It could, if you're a Jew, maybe it's the Tanakh, the entire Old Testament. Or if if you're uh, <laughs> if you're a different type of Jew, if you're a Samaritan Jew, then you have the uh, the books of Moses. <clears throat> Either way, if you're a Christian, you have the Christian Bible. If you're a Catholic, you have your Catholic Bible. Uh, whatever religion you have, you have your book right there in the middle. Okay, let's put the Bible right in the in the center of that wall, and above that wall, we're gonna label a small label, and we're gonna call it apostolics and then underneath that bible we're going to put another label we'll call it uh seven day adventist and then to the right we're going to put another label we'll call it we'll call them baptist and and on the left side we're going to call them jehovah witnesses and on the other and then maybe maybe at two o'clock 
at two o'clock from that Bible, we're going to call it Islam. And then on the other, uh, maybe at 10 o'clock, we'll call it Judaism. And you see all these religions are going to start forming around this Bible uh, that have bases in the Bible. Okay. And here is where it gets really interesting. Every single one of those, beginning with my own, has the capacity where we're so into making that Bible fit our doctrine, our belief, our philosophy, our morals, etc., etc., and etc. That's really what's been going on. <clears throat> and I think when, when, when this brother shared this information with me, it really did something. It started a fire inside of my heart, uh, and, and it hasn't it hasn't stopped. And we're talking about years ago, many many years ago. And I've been pushing myself to study in a different way, and it's brought me to a place. At the beginning, it was very very uncomfortable. So all of you who are uh, who are where I was at that one point in a very structured organization, a very religious organization, uh, and you start studying correctly, if I may, because you know what? We got comfortable. I mean, let's be honest with each other, okay? I hope some of you are ministers, pastors, uh, Bible college students, uh, Bible college professors, etc., whoever. That's fine. But isn't it funny how when we study when we go to our Sunday school classes, when we go to our Bible colleges, we've given, we are given material by the organization. They recommend certain books for us to study for that course. But when you start digging into uh, the doctrine and questioning it, questioning it, not because you have doubts, no, just to do it, just to fact check. That's the thing nowadays, right? Fact checking. So... When you start researching the origins of your doctrine, it blows your mind. It made me so uncomfortable that I would leave my house and I would drive away and I would cry. I would break down and and I would speak and I would have a, a conversation with the Lord because certain things were so rooted inside of me. What I thought to be, we all we all say we have the truth, right? Um, and, and it just shook my world. It turned me upside down, inside out. And, and it, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. So this is the first episode. We're not going to go into too much deep information. We're going to get deeper and deeper as, as the episodes go along. I'm going to try to do this uh, at least once a week. But this episode today, I would like to focus on one thing. And that is, am I really a Christian? And what is a Christian? What is, what is a real Christian? You know, the Apostle Paul says, it is not I that live, but Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? So the Apostle Paul identifies himself with Christ. In other words, he is saying that it doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter who I really am. What matters is Christ in me. If I'm going to live on this earth, then I'm going to live for Christ. It is because uh, to live is Christ. Not that I'm going to live for Christ, but to live is Christ. Does that make sense to you? I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks too. 
Like, to live is Christ. And my God, to die is gain because he's off to the Lord. But let's look at that for a moment. Because I know most of you that are Christians out there, you, you've been taught possibly similar to the same way I have. Where a Christian's life is basically based or, or we have an example on, on how to live, correct? So we say we, Jesus Christ is our example. Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach. He is our example. That's our, our, uh, that's our example for us to live a daily life. And, and of course, in order to be able to live the way Jesus lived, there are many, many things that are involved into this. And I'm sure it's not going to be easy, right? Because when we dig into the Word of God, when we dig into the New Testament, when we, book, when we go into the book of Matthew, let's go with Matthew, and we see the life of Jesus, we see what's recorded on there by Matthew, and Jesus was not like most people. He was a type of man that was attracted, I, can, I guess I can say that, by the sinner, by the one that uh, is ousted from the church, <laughs> you know, that guy or that, or that gal, uh, he, he's attracted to them and he approaches them and he hangs out with them and he just pours all his love on them. So they may feel his love, his acceptance, and, and just to feel his presence. And Anybody, any sinner who had an experiences with Jesus Christ, they came to him and they were changed for the better. They were changed. There was a woman that was accused. She was caught in the very act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus. And, and then he, he, he goes off and he tells them, well, whoever has no sin, you know, cast the first stone. You guys remember that? And yet, this lady gets up. And Jesus tells him, tells her, where are your accusers? And she goes, well, I don't know. They're gone. And he tells her, get up. You're forgiven. And sin no more. He sends her off her way. He loves her and forgives her. And she's on her merry way. Is it about love? Yes, it is. It's about love. You and I, we're... we're we consider ourselves followers of, of, of Jesus and, and we are called to love. But let me plant this. Let me try to impart something into you that was imparted into me many years ago and I've adopted it and it works. There is the human love that you can give somebody, anybody, your wife, uh, your kids, your friends. There is that love that you that you have available for people, and that's your love. That's my love, Alonso's love. Okay, that's your love that you have to offer. But that love has a limit because when you're hurt enough times, you break away, and that love is gone for that person, that that individual. It's gone. Okay, that is the type of love that humanity has for one another. It is limited. It is unstable. Like emotions. Love has nothing to do with emotions. If love has to do with emotions, then, then love is no good. Because emotions are unstable. So, how can we love as Jesus loved? It's a very good question. Very good question. I'm going to answer that. And it has to do with impartation. Let me give you an example. My children, 
they act like me, they talk like me, they, 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 they do all kinds of things just like me. They're, they're an uh, uh, image of me. Why? Because of the time they spend with me. You know, um, the more time they spend with me, the more time they become like me. That is a true impartation. So how can the believer, how can the follower of Jesus obtain a love that it's so beautiful and pure that you can love them that curse you, that you can bless them that despisefully use you? How can you love them that persecute you? Because that's what we're called to do. How can you do that? Only through the love of God. So you and I, if we are true followers of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, if we are his followers, we must spend more and more and more time with him. I'm talking about prayer, my friend. It's good to go in and pray at the church with the brethren. That's fine and dandy. But where the rubber meets the road, especially right now with quarantine. Well, I need, I know it's, it's, uh, it's kind of over now, but we had like three months over here in my area of staying home. You know, that special time, that intimate time with Jesus, the more you spend with him, the more he pours out of himself on you. The more time you spend studying his word, when you get into this Bible and you study it and you and you take it, and then that impartation comes directly from the Father and comes inside of you. That way, when it's time to love them that hate you, you will not hesitate. It's a pure love. And it will not go away. You will love them and you will love them. And they're going to hurt you sometimes and they over and over and over again. You know, uh, my wife and I have been, uh, we've had the, the, God has blessed us to be able to pastor a few times in, in different, uh, different churches and pastors go through this, you know, uh, you give and you give and you give and you get hurt. You get hurt and you're hurt over, over, over and over again. But because of the, of you spend so much time with God that that impartation of love consumes you that you can forgive. It's awesome. It's beautiful. So should we love and forgive? Of course. That's where the key is. The key is in, it's in forgiveness. Forgiveness is easy when you love. When you truly love, the simplest thing that you can do is forgive. It's so easy. It's beautiful. But let, I'm not going to stop here, okay? Because there's more to it. The majority of the time, I can say maybe 95% of the time when we're talking about how to be a Christian, we talk, we, 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 we push the issue of love and we should because so many people are mistreated, especially in the Christian church. You can say I'm a liar. That's fine. We've been around in different places and, and that's just the way it is, especially in big churches. But check this out. It can't stop there. It cannot stop there because if we truly study the Messiah and how he was and how we interacted with people, there are some things that we should be doing and we are not doing. And you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you because I didn't like it when, it, when, when, when I read it and when it actually uh, was imparted in my life. And look, listen to this. Jesus is talking here in Matthew chapter 23. I'm going to read a, bit, a little bit, okay? I hope, I hope you don't mind. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, and he said this, the scribes, the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. If you don't know what the Moses' seat was, it was a seat in a synagogue that was reserved for uh, 
either the high priest or someone who's going to be teaching. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. This is Jesus preaching and teaching. He look at, remember what he said. He's talking to multitudes. That means Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, they are there listening. Okay, watch this. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear. What is he talking about? We're going to get to that later. And lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one or other fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their, uh, their, I can't even say that word, phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feast, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. That word actually translated is actually supposed to be great. Great, great. It's great. That's a great man. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a word that was used to respect, especially a teacher. And now it's more commonly used as rabbi or they translate it as teacher. I don't really know why, but the proper translation is actually great. Verse 8, but you do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher, the Christ or the Mashiach, and you are the brethren. Let's skip to verse 13. This is where it gets good. Listen what the Jesus, the guy we're supposed to be or the man, the, the man we're supposed to be following, the one that, that is our example on how to conduct ourselves. We already know how we are supposed to conduct ourselves with one another and also with, the, with a sinner with someone who doesn't even know Christ, someone who's outside of the fold. But look at these other people who are in the fold, and this is the way that Jesus interacted with them. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and pretend to make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel and land and sea to wine and on one on one pros, uh, proselyte and when and when he is one you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself woe unto you blind guides who say whoever swears by the temple is nothing but whosoever swells by the swears by the gold of the temple he is obliged to perform it fools and blind for which is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold and whoever swears by the altar is nothing but whosoever swears by the gift that is on it he is obliged to perform it fools and blind for which is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift let's skip to 23 woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone blind guides who strain out gnat and swallow a camel woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish but inside there are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish. We can go on and on and on and on. 
this is the way he conducted himself with these religious leaders who were who who were binding the people with something called dogma. Oh my lord. Our time is up. Our time is up. I want to get into this so much further, but our time is up. You and I, I'm going to close with this. You and I are called to be like Jesus. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are preachers and teachers out there preaching false doctrines. You and I know this very well. Let me give you an example real quick. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number one. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the, the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. What tradition of the elders? What is that? Most of us don't even know. But it's a tradition. It is a ritual of washing hands. This ritual begins with a special jug with water that must fill certain requirements and, and specifications. It begins with pouring water on the left hand, then the right hand, and a second time, and in some, in, in some traditions, even a third time. One must also recite the blessing, otherwise it's not complete. Uh, my Hebrew is a little off. I'm going to say the blessing in, in, uh, in English. Now, look, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not attacking the oral law by any means. No, I just want to give an example. I love traditions. We, we, we keep the Sabbath here in our house. You know, we have Shabbat dinner on Friday night in our own way. We're not uh, very orthodox Um, we're not bound by any oral law, but listen to this. This is the blessing. Bless thou, O Lord, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments, commanding us to wash the hands. If you don't know where the problem lies, I'm going to have to tell you. Yehovah, the creator, Elohim, Adonai, Hashem, whatever you want to call him never commanded to wash the hands. This is a tradition of the oral law. We'll get into that later. He never commanded them to do that. That's where the problem is. Jesus knows this and he replies to them in this way. He answered and said to them, why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your traditions? You want to find false teachings? You need to study. You need to study the very thing that you are being taught. You need to do what most of us have done. Study the things that we know to be true. And then before you know it, you're going to find that most of it doesn't hold water. Okay. Now for reals. <laughs> for reals, we lost, we lost time. Okay. We got to get out of here. But take that information. Please leave comments. Like I said, this is not a debate club. This is just information that we're throwing out there. And I would love for you to comment and, uh, and, and share so we can continue with this. Next week, we're going to continue on this. We're not done yet. There's still more. 
We're going to talk about being like Jesus. And then we're actually going to study. We're going to get into the book of Acts and dissect what was going on in the early church. Okay, guys, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. uh, Keep fighting that fight of faith. Be safe out there. Shalom.